It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down Well, hello, folks. It's American Loser, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you up front. This story is not pleasant, okay? <laughs> this guy's a little upsetting to read about. There's no happy ending at the end here. There's really no hero in the story. Yeah, this doing, is, the, doing the research on this one, it was, uh, to put it mildly, a little unsettling that they live among us. Yeah. This, uh, is, uh, this is creeping me out for two reasons. One, you never set up the story like this before. Two... You didn't even do the proper intro, and it's throwing me off. It's uh, it's a gross one here today. So my name's KP Burke. You guys know the show. It's called American Loser. We're telling the weirdest stories from American history. This one's weird. This one's shameful. This one's upsetting. Uh, it fits our Halloween motifs. If you guys like creepy, spooky, terrifying things, this guy's a little bit of all those things. Uh, of course, as I said, my name's KP Burke. I'm a stand-up comic from New Jersey. With me, as always, is my Delph of a dad. Say hi, Lawrence Patrick. Hey, here we going. Here we going again with our, our uh, Halloween October Spooky Fest, and this one, uh, this one will grab you. He's a little upsetting. You guys also know the voice behind the ones and twos over there, the man who we fed breakfast to on purpose to see if he can keep it down throughout the course of the episode. <laughs> the big Kahuna in the building. What's going on, man? Well, as you guys know, we like to tell these wild stories here from history, and we get to do that because of uh, the good people over at the Founding Losers. They contribute uh, as low as $3 a month sometimes over to our Patreon to help us keep this bad boy rolling. If you can't afford the Patreon, do me a favor and just go ahead and, I don't know, talk about the show. There's other ways to support us, but it means a lot when you do that because if I got the funds in here, then I can I can afford to keep losing money doing this show. You know what I mean? You can you afford go. to buy my love. That's what we're doing week after week. <laughs> but uh, you do get a bonus episode at the end of every month. So you get three episodes for free every month. And then that last one, that's Patreon exclusive, baby. We're covering some pretty cool topics for that. I won't give that one away just yet. I'm not going to lie. When you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, if you don't want to support the Patreon and you went, you know, there was that pause for a second. I, for whatever reason, I thought you were going to say, you know, jump off a bridge. <laughs> no. Just <laughs> setting the theme of spooky. Well, we've got some people who tell me they're like, hey, listen, man, I had a re uh, pay reduction at work. Um, you know, I'm working from home still or something like that, or I just started a new career. Uh, it, you know, I want to support the show, whatever. And I was like, dude, just let me know when you get back, when you join the Patreon up again, all those episodes are going to be back there. So you do what you got to do, man. If you give me even a penny, it means a lot. All right. So I'm very grateful <laughs> right, for right. that. It's acknowledgement. Uh, now to jump right in here, uh, I want to tell you guys something real quick. Um, I learned a new word today, Larry Burke. Okay. Yes. Are you know, uh, do you know what a necronym is? Necronym. Necro, well, that's like dead people kind of a thing. Right? Yeah, and Nim uh, is in short for nymphomaniacs. This is a person who enjoys having lots of sex with dead people. Oh, no. <laughs> we're talking, oh, that's that's where we're starting. That's, uh, that's how I know, right? No, no, no. Necronym is actually, uh, it comes from the Greek word, as most things do, that describes the taking of a name of someone that has died recently. So that's why renaming a ship is bad luck. It, indeed. There's something to that, too, that it's, you're, you're giving a, a, a name of someone who's passed. Now, there's ways to do it with some honor. Like if you take uh, – like let's say you have a kid one day, Kahuna. You decide you want to name the kid after like a family member's middle name that passed away. Mm -hmm. That would be considered an honor. Yeah. 
right? KP Burke's a great name. That's a <laughs> <laughs> um, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> and Patrick has been used once in a while in the Irish heritage. Yeah, I'm Kevin Patrick. Uh, my father's Lawrence Patrick, whose father was Francis Patrick. Yep, and it goes all the way back. Yeah. Yeah, it's a generational thing. But the Irish, they're, they're limited to like six names and, and you only get to pick, you know, one every generation. Uh, true story. Just I want to give a little levity to this episode because it's about to get really dark. Dad, tell um, tell Kahuna what my name almost was for a minute. Uh, Tyrone. Get the fuck out <laughs> of here. I was almost named Tyrone. Yep. What? Yep. That's um, more black than my real name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that because when uh, – we were trying to come up with uh, names for the male child. Um, the wife went out and bought a book of, uh, you know, Irish names. And it was all like Tyrone. Wait a minute. Tyrone. <laughs> that, uh, that, that's that's a, more that's black an Irish than they name? are Irish. But uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, it's funny because the Earl of Tyrone was a pretty powerful guy in Ireland. Okay. And then um, there's a comedian I know, Sharif uh, Johnson. I believe, a good guy, Bayonne Dew, Jersey guy. Um, he was doing a bit on stage before me one night when he goes, you never see a white kid named Tyrone. He goes, you never see a black guy named Earl. <laughs> and I walked up on stage. I was like, Tyrone Earl was almost my name. <laughs> Are you – it was almost T.E. Burke? T.E. Burke. <laughs> the Earl thing I think I'm messing around yeah, with. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. Tyrone a, was on the stretch. list. Your name was almost Teb? It's a <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that would be a nice way to do uh, a naming kind of a thing. A, a sick one would be if you were to name somebody after someone that died um, – like if you if you had an animal pass away, a pet, and then you named the next pet the same name, that'd be a little creepy, right? Uh, what's the cat? What's the cat's name in The Simpsons? It's Snowball. Yeah, they do that to the cat all the time. I think it's Snowball Three. And San yeah, something like that. Yeah, they, it's a sick joke. Now imagine they don't do that. Uh, they just call the the new cat Snowball all the time. It's a little bit extra creepy. That's kind of a little bit of a, a interlude, if you will, to the exciting world of the Gray Man. A man who will grow up to be known as the werewolf of Brooklyn. Uh, he's a straight-up sociopath, guys. I'm talking about a guy by the name of Albert Fish. Albert Fish. He's terrifying. Oh, no. Um, yeah. Even Stephen King would say, hey, 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 scale it back a little bit here, guy. <laughs> yeah. What are you trying to do? A little do? too much. A little too much. Today's loser is possibly the most despicable man who has ever lived. He's a full-blown sociopath, a rapist, a murderer – a child molester, will even be given the colorful and colorless nicknames such as the Gray Man, the aforementioned Brooklyn Vampire, and uh, you know it's not good when you're actually known as the Boogeyman. Right? <laughs> the real life, he's among, he walks among us Boogeyman. Yeah, this is some creepy shit here. Uh, like all horrible stories of human suffering and cruelty, this story starts in Washington, D.C. <laughs> Yeah, all of our great leaders. We're gonna try. <laughs> this is our leader among horror. Why yeah, not? it's weird because <laughs> this guy has a little real life PizzaGate going on. The more we learn about him, what? Uh, it's bad, Kahuna. So we're gonna try to get as many jokes in here as possible. But I'm gonna warn you, folks. If you listen to this show out loud on your computer at work, where other people can hear you, don't. This, might, <laughs> this is a headphones kind of a show today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Born on May nineteenth, eighteen seventy. Fish's father was 75 at the time of his birth. What? That's right. Fish's father was 75 years old when he uh, when, when his son was born here. Yeah, Daddy Dearest was uh, – he was an old man right, right from the get-go. Oh, so yeah. he's Albert's Mick Jagger's kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, he was also, to keep in line with that Rolling Stones reference here, now the mother was, uh, uh, she was a little bit younger. Obviously, she had to be of birthing age still, and that's uh, 43 years uh, younger than Fish's father. Okay, so a little bit of an age gap over there. Just a bit. Yeah, she's 32, he's 75, so I did the math for you, Kev, I just... I know you were struggling. Oh, does um, does <laughs> you, you can does, smell the smoke? Right. Hang on, does seventy five go into thirty two? Can you divide by? <laughs> you, you, stop it! This isn't a math podcast. Stop it. Okay. Well, the family seemed to be plagued with mental illnesses, as Fish's uncle had bouts of mania. Mania being like as in a manic, uh, manic depressant, bipolar kind of a thing. That's just crazy, uncle. That's just the crazy uncle in the yeah, family. Yeah, family's fine. got a crazy uncle. But, I hear you. Uh, and if you Al- don't have a crazy uncle, it's because you are the crazy uncle. <laughs> Albie Fish uh, had it. more than one. There was a, a lot of different people in the in the Fish familia that uh, were, how do we say it in technical terms, batshit crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, his own brother was committed to a psychiatric facility. His sister was diagnosed with mental affliction. And keep in mind, this is, um, this is like pre-1900s here. This is- they're still just now figuring out like, hey, if I, there's this great new method of taking an ice pick and jamming it behind your eye to make you more calm. So <laughs> yeah, right. things are a little creepy right now. So the idea that they're actually diagnosing mania and all this other stuff in psychiatric institutes, that's relatively progressive for the time here, kind of a new science. But uh, they are a regular old Brady Bunch over there because even his mother was suffering from vivid hallucinations. His family's fucking nuts. They're nuts. Yeah. And the term necronym pops out at me here because Albert Fish, the future uh, gray man, werewolf of Brooklyn, uh, boogeyman, he's actually not born Albert. He chooses that name for himself after one of his dead siblings. So there was another kid named Albert that passed away very young, maybe uh, died in infancy. Okay. And, uh, and he was this, just like, call me Albert. This guy goes, yeah, call me Albert. My name's Albert. That is – Creepy and every yeah, good lord. Well, he was trying to get away from a nickname that he had called uh, Ham and Eggs. They called him. Yeah, his uh, school, his schoolmates, if you will, gave him the nickname Ham and Eggs. No, no, no. Hamilton Howard, well, Ham and Eggs, and he was not having it. That's That's embarrassing. Call me my dead brother's name. (laughs) (laughs) But like, why not just call yourself Doctor Seuss then? Just just add a green. You're right. Uh, a little doctor uh, of sorts comes in here later on. Oh, come on. <laughs> We're getting there. I'm trying yeah. to make these innocent jokes, man. I'm trying to lighten it up because I'm kind of nervous now. It's uh, just make sure that you have a waste paper basket near you as the story continues. Crap, the garbage can's full. That's a- <laughs> Fish's father would die of a heart attack. And his mother will actually place Albert into an orphanage in 1875. Yeah, now Fish, uh, uh, Albert Fish or Ham and Eggs, uh, his his father, who was 76 at the time or 75 at the time of his birth, now five years later, the old man kicks. So he's a young man of five years old, and and mom then places him into uh, into an orphanage. The idea, I guess, being that the orphanage might be able to take better care of Albert than she could. Well, the orphanage proved to be a rough place. Albert and the other children were routinely beaten. Most people don't enjoy whippings and pain, but old Albert Fish, well, he started to straight up love it. That's right. A child is sitting there saying like, oh, I just love it when they whip us and oh, beat us. Oh, God. Yeah. No. Uh, hey, guys, I dropped some paint on the ground. Anyone have a cigar butt they want to put out on my forearm? <laughs> Another uh, sign of mental illness and possible indicators of acts of violence to come. So- 
after now years of abuse, Fish's mother actually does come back for him. So there's a good little part of the story, right? Yeah, she gets herself uh, squared away. and she's Got a government job. She's got a government job. She's she's on the dole right yep. now. Ready to come back, take my baby. Yep. So, um, she had gotten a government job, takes Albert out of the orphanage in 1880, but the damage to an already damaged boy to begin with was already well, well, well accomplished. And it's in, implanted and, and flourishing. Well, Fish is going to begin a, quote, relationship with a young telegraph boy a year or so later. And it's a classic love story. It includes all the best <laughs> elements of young love. Bathhouses, watching boys get naked, learning to drink your own piss, as well as others. Yeah. yeah. I'm genuinely creeped out. Yeah. Fish is about as lie. creepy. And this and is the innocent part. That's, that's the, that's the uh, facts. Yeah. I wish we were kidding on some of this stuff. Um, I'm genuinely uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. This is uh well, Fish would spend most of his weekends hanging out at bathhouses and started his lifelong habit of writing obscene letters to women, responding to ads that they put in the personal sections of the paper. So if a woman was trying to – seeking a mate, like looking for a companion for marriage, Albert Fish would just write them these fucked up letters calling them every name under the sun. Oh, so he just signed up for Tinder. Pretty much. It's a <laughs> just a really <laughs> fucked up early version of Tinder. There you go. I really like bathhouses. <laughs> Well, okay, I like long walks on the beach and, you know, same – but okay, bathhouses works too. You bitches. <laughs> yeah, he was He's an a evil guy. Troll. He was really an evil guy here. Um, luckily, Fish will grow out of these behaviors by the time he's 20 though. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Um, <laughs> Fish would grow out these behaviors um, by the time he was 20. Yeah, yeah it's going to get worse. He's expanding. Um, expanding his horizons. It's uh, we're going to end this episode with a, a a good joke that I think makes proper light of it by uh, the immortal comedian uh, emeritus of Norm Macdonald, but we're going to have to get pretty dark before we can get to the light at the end of that tunnel. Yeah, because uh, this is only his. Uh, this is a startup. His startup, his GoFundMe for <laughs> yeah, right. a campaign of terror. Yeah. Well, Fish is going to spend most of his twenties working as a male prostitute. Where he gets the uh, one of the byproducts of getting to work in the sex industry back then is you also got to molest and rape young boys. Yeah, pennies. Got, got, got to always check out what pennies are involved. Well, he is. Uh, I mean, he's terrible. And then if you're working in that industry, there's no sort of uh, an action to report this. Um, we've come a very long way in terms of society, in terms of what you can do if someone does something wrong to you in that regard. Back then, I'm going to go ahead and say there was pretty much nothing. And if you were a young boy who didn't know any better and all of a sudden an older man is uh, actually going to you know, molest and rape you here. That's – you're probably not going home and be like, hey, guys, uh, weirdest thing happened today. You know, No, like they're going to keep it quiet. They're going to – there's going to be some shame in that. That might start the behaviors where those people would repeat those behaviors onto someone else. Right. Because it can be a systemic thing. It's a never-ending cycle. Yeah, we're talking 1890s, uh, early 1900s. So, so uh, to we say weren't that- on the on – the, uh, on the cutting edge of uh, mental health, mental yeah. health issues, yeah, psychiatry is uh, really just starting up. Well, uh, good old Fish's mother, though, she knew that even though her boy, you know, maybe she knew, maybe she didn't know, he seems to be spending a lot of time in bathhouses and working as a male prostitute and spent a lot of time with young boys. But uh, she knew my Albert's still a catch, and uh, <laughs> yeah, she didn't realize it was uh, to catch a predator, but. Uh, she sets him up with a nice girl named Anna, and the two of them are going to have six children. That's great. Now there's more of them. That's right. You grow, them, grow your own. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's why you got it. When you get into a relationship, it doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, 
doesn't matter what you're going to be around. If you're thinking about having children with somebody, you got to meet the family. Okay. It's important to meet the family. See, see which way this might be going in another 20 or 30 years. <laughs> well, uh, Fish gets a job as a house painter for the next few years, which unfortunately allows him to molest more and more young boys. So he's being invited into people's homes and stuff like that, working around neighborhoods and everything. And he's pretty much just an evil fucking dude. And uh, unfortunately, he's going to get taken on a trip, Dad, to a certain wax museum. Now, Dad, when you took us to museums as a kid, I always learned a lot of good stuff. A lot of it stayed with me forever. Okay. Um, I'm going to say my experiences were positive compared to uh, the museum that one of Fish's lovers takes him to. Go ahead and expand upon that. Uh, yeah, well, he goes uh – he, he's uh, he becomes obsessed with the uh, act of uh, sexual uh, body mutilation, and where he sees a a, a, a display or a uh, demonstration of uh, dissecting the male organ, a, a penis. Sees it at a wax museum, and uh, kind of just changes his life forever. I love how I, that not was his, love, but I could hear how much you struggled to say that, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just like I'm right there with you, boss. That's the that's the uh, that was his watershed moment, that, like his aha moment is uh, oh, going to this wax museum and seeing a uh, dissected. Uh, See, this is one of the few, this is one of the few times where I'm like, I I hope to God there isn't a movie. Nor do I think <laughs> like. Well, I'm I'm retiring Kahuna's casting couch for this. Be ready one. to be, disapp <laughs> be ready to be disappointed then. Ah, oh, come on, it's concerned. That's yeah. right. Unfortunately, also starring the Muppets. Ah, uh, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Uh, why'd you do that? <laughs> Stop it! No, stop it right now. <laughs> Fucking gross. Well, uh, Fish is a terrible, terrible man here. But finally, in 1903, old Albert Fish is going to find himself arrested, but for larceny. I mean, that's like getting Capone on tax evasion. This guy's one of the most <laughs> evil sons of bitches on planet. But like, ah, hey, hey, looks like you stole something. Now Fish is at least behind bars. Sadly, Fish gets out of jail and decides on a fresh start in Wilmington, Delaware, because when you need to start over, Delaware. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he's also evaluated at this point, and everybody comes up with the conclusion that yeah, he's polite, well-spoken, well-mannered. Uh, yeah, he's he's a good guy. He might have some some little, screws loose, little, little things a little peculiar, maybe, but oh, it, it, oh, uh, not boy. a bad guy. Uh. yeah, but he gets his. Uh, he decides that uh, Wilmington, Delaware, is his. Uh, Next place to uh, endeavor into and continues on with the house painting uh, trade, which gives him access to most of the time to like people's basements and that kind of stuff. So it gives you different areas to uh, expand your your side interests, if you will, not only in house painting, but molestation of uh, whoever might be in the neighborhood. And the yeah, neighborhood is always up changing. Evil. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the, they always were talking about that, that that was like a, uh, a thing with, um, a uh, traveling comedian that it would be uh, that there'd be some crime would occur in a town and the comedian would always be on to the next town before anybody could figure it out kind of a thing. And uh, Fish moves around quite a bit here, especially for a guy back then in the, uh, you know, we're talking 1903, I believe, by the time he gets locked up for the first time. He's now getting a fresh start over in Wilmington, Delaware. He will, by the way, at some point make his way out to Brooklyn. Um, 
spent a little time on Staten Island. He's a well-traveled guy. No, he's an itinerant painter, painter. So, I mean, he's just going traveling around and uh, trying yep. to grab work wherever he can and uh, whatever else he can grab on the side. <laughs> oh, oh God. damn it, Dad. <laughs> Don't worry. We can outgross you. While out there in Wilmington, Delaware, he'll begin a sadomasochistic relationship with a young man named Thomas Kedden. Kedden may have been intellectually disabled. They didn't really know it, but uh, from what Fish was saying about it, it seems like the kid was a little slow, maybe developmentally slow or something like that. And um, it's unclear if the entire relationship is abusive or just got that way. Okay, but over the course of two weeks, Albert Fish will take Mr. Thomas Kedden out to an old farmhouse that he found, and for two weeks straight, he will torture him. Two weeks. Originally, he thought, he goes, well, I mean, I'll, I'm just going to kill him at the end of this. But then he got so concerned that he would be caught trying to dispose of the body because it was like summertime. And he goes, oh, the dead body, that's going to smell. And how am I going to get this out of here and blah, blah, blah. So he decides, he goes, listen, I'm not a jerk. All right. So maybe I've mutilated him. You know, maybe I've cut off something of his that uh, no man wants cut off. No, no. All right, Lorena Bobbitt, you know what I'm saying? Uh, um, just keep going, KP. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so instead, Fish decides to mutilate him, but he goes, I'll clean your wounds with some peroxide. I'll uh, put some Vaseline on a couple of your wounds here. I'm going to leave you 10 bucks and let me kiss you on the forehead goodbye. You have a good life. I'll see you around. Not exaggerating. Not exaggerating. He just leaves him? Just yep. leaves him. And then they ask, well, whatever happened to him? He goes, oh, I don't know. I caught the first train back to my family. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I hope he's doing okay. Yeah, he's, he skipped the state. And, uh, you know, there was certainly some uh, speculation that he's going after this guy because he is intellectually disabled or a bit slow. So nobody's really going to either believe him or either come look for him. So, I mean, the, this guy is now missing for two weeks and comes back with uh, – Parts missing. Um, you know, is anybody going to believe him or what? Or, you know, is this just fabricating this story or who knows? But, uh, yeah, so now he, he's back in uh, New York, New York. He likes to find people that don't have credibility um, in terms of if they were to report him, that kind of a thing. You'll see more of that in a second here. Oh, so an evil monster. Oh, he's the worst. Okay. This is the worst human being I've ever read about in my life. Uh, I, I I truly mean it. At least Hitler was a captivating speaker. Okay. <laughs> had some redeeming qualities. If you had to line these two guys up next to each other, like, okay. Um, uh, yeah. It's oh, bad. God, yeah. I, I struggled doing the research on this one. I'm, I'm being honest with you. Uh, yeah. It's a gross, gross story, but it has to be told. And no one really wants to tell it because it's so unpleasant. I mean, this one's tough, folks. All right. Um well, happy October. Happy yeah. Halloween. Yeah, uh, spooky trick season, or treat. right? Trick or treat. <laughs> Smell um, my feet. Now, Fish is, uh, Fish's wife, she actually starts to, I don't know if she's noticing this stuff or just what a piece of shit he is, but uh, she actually runs off with a handyman and just goes, I'm starting my life over. All right. Unfortunately, however. Yeah, but before we uh, jump off of that one, though, the handyman, this guy, John Straub now, he was actually a boarder within the fish household. So he's renting a room in the, in the fish household. And then later on, uh, Mrs. Fish takes off with him and removes all the house furnishings and everything else. So the two of them bolt and strip the house bare of whatever furnishings they had. And old uh, Albie Fish comes home to find uh, 
an empty house and uh, the wife is gone and the 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 border is gone as well so uh, I want to picture Albert Fish walking in covered in you know someone's blood and he just goes huh was it something I said (laughs) (laughs) tough day tough day at work and now this (laughs) honey I'm whole oh Unfortunately, as she takes all the uh, the worldly possessions with her, what does she leave behind, Kahuna? Oh, no. Six kids. Ah, uh, she left the kids with she them? She bailed on the kids, man. Uh, now, there are no reports specifically that he ever abused his own children, but his kids did mention that uh, their father did ask them to paddle him on occasion with a nail-studded paddle that he'd made. Um Fish also around this time begins to suffer from visions and hallucinations. He also began the wild and bizarre self-harm rituals that uh, – I won't say some of them because you people just don't want to hear this. But yeah, this is the one that makes me laugh the most. All right? If, if I had to come up with one that makes me laugh, this is the one. All right. So uh, imagine you're one of Fish's kids and you walk in and you just see like your dad, you know um, – uh, you know, like, uh, growing up with, with you as uh, my father, right? Um Every now and then, you'd have a rough day over at work. You'd come home from being a shop teacher in Jersey, and uh, we'd know you were having a rough day when you uh, took a, uh, a water glass, filled it with uh, whiskey and Bailey's Irish cream, <laughs> and walked away. And we said, all right, let's just not fuck with that guy today. Um, now, imagine you're a kid. Maybe you got a bad report card you don't want to talk to your dad about, but you're Albert Fish's kid. And you walk into you know dad's bedroom, and dad has a piece of wool dipped in lighter fluid, and it shoved up his ass, and he's lighting it on fire. <laughs> I think I think Kahuna's gonna walk today. <laughs> yeah, I think uh that might be a sign that maybe we should give that a little room. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll come back. Uh <laughs> well, we don't I don't need to trouble you now, Dad, with this, but uh I'll I'll come back to you a little later. But he this was one of his self harm rituals. Yeah, and this is also, you know, the kids have already familiar with by their own admission that he would take this nail embedded paddle and ask to be beaten with the, the paddle. That you know, if you if you love dad, you'll hurt dad. Because the Fucking more you hurt dad, people. the more he likes it. That's a <laughs> Oh, what what makes you think Fish is a white guy? Dude, everything you've painted so far is just like <laughs> and his name is Albert. Albert look, Fish. Look him up online. He's a he's a person of color. <laughs> No, he's not. No, he's not. He's not. <laughs> wait, is he? Wait. He's not. Um, oh, you motherfucker. Dude, he really is. Um, they described him, by the way, as a uh, gray. Oh, my appearance. God. He's he actually look looks like the boogeyman. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's an evil son of a bitch. Um, and they, they said they called him the gray man because he was gray in both appearance and demeanor. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a couple extra lights on uh, last night when I was sleeping just to make sure that there was no Albert Fish waiting for me in my room. Yeah, the boogeyman that lives under your bed, well, he walks among us. Yeah, Uh, he's a pretty wild dude, man. He um, he's pretty messed up. uh, But as of right now, he hasn't actually killed anyone yet that we know of. Okay, he has stabbed a, uh, a mentally disabled child just to see if he could get away with it. (laughs) <laughs> Wait. Yeah, he's mutilated people, but he oh, hasn't yeah. really killed people. He's done that we know of just yet. Yeah, so murder's next on the menu here. Fish is about to go up and up and become. I'm telling you, he's the most despicable. He makes H. H. Holmes, the guy that we did a great episode on, who was H. H. Holmes is creepy, right? And by the way, there's a um, 
I think you told me there's an escape the room thing where H.H. H. Holmes is chasing you around his murder mansion in Chicago. Right. Are you serious? Yeah, it's pretty great. Um, I would go to that in a heartbeat. Oh, it, has, sounds, it sounds awesome. amazing, right? Yeah. So H.H. H. Holmes is almost charming compared to how evil Albert Fish is. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's really that's, – that's a tough comparison, but – um, murder is next on the menu. Fish will begin his gruesome career in murder around this time in 1919. Okay. Um, 1919. He chose as his victims mentally disabled children or African-American kids. His theory being that less people would come looking for them. Okay. Oh, you know, the, the, the black kid down the street, he disappeared. Oh, that's weird. What, what, where'd he go? You think he ran off or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, which leads like in today's headlines. I mean, if it, if you're a young, good-looking blonde female and you go missing, the whole world is now searching after you. <laughs> well, that but, was the, uh, the Patrice, um, the if, great Patrice. Yeah, bit. how many how many kids of color that are uh, are turned up missing and nobody hears anything about it? But still doing shit like you know, that. Still, yeah, exactly. They're still doing shit like that. So, um, yeah, but uh, that was his uh, that was his uh, intended victims as. Kids of color or the mentally uh, mentally disabled, or because if a kid was you know, mentally handicapped, they really didn't have programs for him and all this other stuff back then. So it would have just been that that kid, oh, he must have ran off or something, wandered or, off and got lost, and who knows? But yeah, yeah I hope he's okay. You know, yeah. that kind of a thing. But no one's really going out looking for him now. Uh, the murder weapons here, as he uh, refers to as I believe his uh, implements of hell. Uh, that's what he calls them. That's right. He has a meat cleaver, a handsaw. And a butcher knife. And Fish would admit to sometimes paying kids in the neighborhood to bring him other kids as victims. So whether or not those kids knew that they were bringing – I was oh, hey, do you know so-and-so? Bring them over here for me, will you? Yeah, so he's got gonna... other neighborhood kids running around uh, connecting you to other people. So oof, by the way, Kahuna's pulling up some re- – he does uh, his little research too while um, – God, don't, yeah. g- don't Google this dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're right. Because there's oh good lord that there's a so he the the needles in the pelvis and like uh, <laughs> we haven't gotten there yet don't go stand oh by yeah stand by it only gets worse now what's terrifying is that Kahuna also pulled this up and there's some people that have Albert Fish tattoos what so, the fuck is wrong with people I'm gonna go ahead and say hang on you know who has an Albert Fish tattoo Ken Krantz. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teasing. Um, but yeah, this, the murder weapons were a meat cleaver, a handsaw, and a butcher knife. And uh, oftentimes, Fish would uh, offer money to his victims for help with a seemingly innocent task. One such story, and these are the creepiest ones, the kids who just barely get away, all right? It's a very, very creepy story here. Uh, a young girl on her family's farm in Staten Island just barely escapes the clutches of the gray man. When her mother intervenes at the last minute, because I think that uh, Gray was like, uh, not Gray, Fish was saying like, oh, can you help me? I want to pick some rhubarb. Do you know where I could find some rhubarb around here, young girl? And the girl's like, oh, you can just go. And the mother gets out, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, later on, I believe that night, the Gray man comes back and he's going to go sleep in the barn, maybe wake up the next day and try his luck again kind of a thing. And the girl's father finds him, and I assume a, a shotgun is involved with, hey, go ahead and get the fuck out of here, pal. <laughs> yeah. Your time's up, dude. Yeah, he, he becomes known as the gray man because that, that's the way people described him. It was his demeanor, his his coloring, and everything else. He was just kind of like the- So like very monotone? Yeah. Like his, right. Excuse monotone me, can you help and, me pick some uh, His manner and, and 
even his uh, speaking voice was very gray. <laughs> he's uh, he's like a, a demon among us, man. He really is. Other kids who got lucky enough to barely miss a date with death at the hands of fish included a group of kids that fish had invited into his apartment for lunch. You see some young kids playing out in the street. I think they were playing like stickball or something. And uh, he walks in and goes, hey, have you kids had lunch yet? No, mister. Well, why don't you come up to my apartment? I'll make some sandwiches for you. Kids go up to the apartment. They're playing around. He goes, hey, why don't you kids go wrestle on my bed or something like that over there while I make the sandwiches? And these kids are wrestling on his bed now. And uh, some of these kids are like as young as three or four years old. And um, they're wrestling on the bed. And then they uh, they knock the mattress over a little bit. And what do you think they found underneath the mattress, Kahuna? The implements of hell. You um, know it. A butcher knife, a meat cleaver. <sighs> and these kids go, oh, oh. <laughs> and they got the fuck out of there, thank God. And that's the only reason that they lived. So as they were describing this guy, it would always be this recurring theme of, oh, he's gray in appearance. And he, you know, uh, you see his face. His face is terrifying. He's an upsetting guy to look at. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. Well, he also feels, because he's now entering his 50s, mind you, and his psychosis is on full display now. He was telling people that, you know, not telling people, but he at this time felt as though he was being commanded by God to do these unspeakable actions. So, now if you subscribe to the idea that there is someone out there for everyone, well, then you'll be happy to know that Fish gets remarried in 1930. Yep. The marriage doesn't last long since his first wife never truly divorced him. Fish is labeled a bigamist. Yeah, the, the first wife, I mean, she skipped out with the handyman who was a, 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 a renting a room in the Fish household. And they take off and leave, or take all the furnishings and all the household goods with them leaving fish with the kids. Then she comes back. Old Albie Fish forgives the first wife and says, well, you can stay, but obviously the handyman is out of here. Um, So um, briefly, the first wife does come back, and then Fish discovers that the handyman is hiding out in the attic. (laughs) (laughs) And and again, you know, they throws throws them all out. so now he, the guy's in his in his fifties at this point. So, you know, by nineteen oh nine standards, uh, he's starting to get up there in age for mm-hmm. for sure. He's not he's not the my the father mid- didn't even have me till I was seventy five. What do you mean? Yeah, the midlife crisis uh, has uh, certainly set in. But uh, anyhow, he does remarry now for the second time. But uh, you know, officially, he never really divorced the first wife. They are separated. <laughs> to label him a bigamist is such a funny thing where you're like, oh, he's a, a murderer, a rapist, uh, a violent <laughs> yeah. offender, uh, racist, um, eugenist probably, um, and a bigamist. And butcher of human flesh. So Sometimes his own. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, well, Lord. he's going to wind up spending a little bit of time over in Bellevue Mental Hospital. Lose reception time. Kahuna, you know who also spent some time over at Bellevue Mental Hospital? Why? Right, who did, KP? Right around the same time frame, right, prob- too. Possibly, uh, you know, under the same roof at the same time. We'd have to confirm that. But um, let's just say there's an Irish cook who maybe needed to wash her hands a little bit more. No. Typhoid Mary. Are you serious? Around the same time yeah, as yeah. good old Albert Fish. Wow. That's right. Wait, and I got, I wonder if anything, you know what? I'm not even going to Google that. I'm afraid. Why does, why does it come up when I type, when I tried to type typhoid Mary in Google, 
Why is why is Albert Fish and Tyler the Creator the first result? I'm very concerned right now. I can only assume it's because um, Tyler the Creator uh, was um, one of Albert Fish's victims. That's <laughs> you need to chill. That's a- <laughs> you need to relax. Oh my! It would have fit the the motif for him though. Oh good lord! Yeah. Now, his time at Bellevue occurred in 1930, about uh, two years too late to save the life of a poor girl by the name of Grace Budd. So Grace's father was actually the original victim that Fish had in mind. He posed as a businessman looking to hire the job-seeking Bud. Yeah, Grace uh, um, Bud, Ed, this guy, Edward Bud, is a hardworking stiff trying to support the family and making ends meet and stuff. And he's looking for... Uh, extra work. And then Albert Fish um, goes under an anonymous name and uh, puts an ad out that uh, Edward Budd answers the ad that, uh, you know, this guy that is... <laughs> Catfish. Is, <laughs> that uh, he's posing that, uh, that he's a, a farmer that's looking for help and he's willing to pay uh, 15 bucks, uh, $15 a week, I believe, and uh, back in the time, uh, we're we're talking 1928. That's pretty serious bucks. That's pretty serious bucks. Fifteen dollars a week as a as a side job. So, um, you know, he he answers this ad, and then uh, um, Fish comes to the house to uh, to interview the guy, thinking that that's going to be his his next victim. But then he discovers, oh, you've got children. Okay. It's pretty bad. Uh, (laughs) Upon meeting his young daughter, Grace, Fish will modify his plans and arrange a a chance to take young Grace. Oh, I have a birthday party for my niece downtown. Do me a favor. Go ahead. uh, Can can I just bring uh, Grace down there? She'd have a great time. It's a party for kids. And they're like, oh, this guy's going to come change our life. He's going to be the future boss here. He's offering us a job. Sure. I don't see why not. You seem like a good guy. You know, I want to be working for you for years. I can trust you with that. Sure. I mean, you can you can take my daughter. I only met you, you know, a week ago. Actually, this was the second meeting when uh, mm-hmm. when uh, Fish um, allows or talks his way into allowing the daughter to go to this and the supposed uh, birthday party that his sister, his quote unquote married sister, which doesn't exist, um, to go to this party. So okay, have a nice time. We'll see. We'll see you a little later. Well, they, uh, he absconds with the daughter. So the gray man has now taken Grace, and Grace will never be seen again. She disappears. Uh, a letter will be sent to Grace's mother six years later. So for six years, this is a missing kid thing. Um, and Albert Fish will send her a, uh, a letter. Actually, they believe it to be Albert Fish, I should say. Um, a letter uh, detailing the bloody confession that the author of the letter had strangled, killed, and eaten young Grace Bud in an act of homicidal cannibalism. Yeah, so we just upped the, for those at home that are keeping score, we just yeah. upped the ante from murderer and um, to cannibalism. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Call Elliot. Yeah, and, and this wasn't just a, uh, you know, a couple of weeks later kind of a thing. Uh, Grace goes missing in 1928, and they start this huge investigation uh, trying to f- locate this guy that um, Albert Fish was posing as and to no avail. And they start saying, well, he said that he was a farmer out in uh, 
out in Staten Island, Long Island, and you know, it's, it was a false false address um, where the the this party was going to be turns out to be a false address. So all these various leads are turning up cold, and the guy that's leading the uh, who's leading the investigation is uh, a policeman by the name or a detective by the name of William King. And, as or, close as we have to a hero in the story. Yeah, uh, Will, Will King. He's really the uh, one of the few saving graces to this, that he's not letting this thing go, that he is on the search for this guy that, uh, or for this missing girl, and he's not letting it go. And, and, and again, this goes on for six years before the letter they, shows up. Before they, they show, have this letter show up. Um, so, you know, imagine the, the torment that the family is going through that you're your daughter was left with this, you know, stranger and never to be seen again for, for six years. They've been wondering what happened, whatever happened to my daughter. So there, there's the term of, uh, I guess, I guess I'll use the term cognitive dissonance where you can believe two things that are, that go against, um, each other simultaneously. But, uh, the level of sociopath that we're dealing with here with Albert Fish is off the charts because in this letter, He's explaining and giving historical context to all this other stuff about, uh, oh, you don't understand. It was so difficult to, to get our hands on meat over in the Chinas where I was and all this other stuff. And so I'll admit it. I ate your daughter. Um, okay. Uh, I prepared her in the following ways and then gives a recipe for how he ate the daughter. Literally gave a recipe describing what parts of her he ate first and uh, uh, how to season her properly and stuff like that. Like this, this guy's pretty much evil. And at the very Pretty end, he much goes, evil? Uh, check, please, on, on the evil story. Yeah. Um, at the end of the story, he actually goes, he goes, oh, but I want you to know, um, I didn't have sex with her, though, so she died a virgin. Because I'm not a monster, folks, all right? I mean, I'm going to strangle and eat your child, but I'm not going to do anything gross. So um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell it now before we tell the, uh, the end thing here. So just a, a little more levity here for you guys at the end. Uh, the... <laughs> I think America's favorite comedian, uh, Norm MacDonald, uh, he had a great joke about this where he was describing uh, Albert Fish on his show, uh, Norm MacDonald Live, which uh, was on YouTube. It's one of my favorite things ever. The uh, Albert Fish, the, the gray man, gray in appearance and demeanor, he used to write letters to the victims of the parents of children that he had eaten, describing the ways that he had eaten them and described the rump of a child as the most tender meal a man could have. I mean, I mean, this guy's a real jerk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good Lord. Yeah, Norm, I, I would say jerk probably would fit, right? Yeah. Oh, oh we miss you, Norm. Every uh, day, honestly. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, the letter, by the way, in question, Dad, um, now I believe your boy King is on the, the trail for this long before the, the letter is sent. Um, and mind you, uh, Grace Bud's mother could not read, so her son had to read the letter to, to her. her. So, so what's the year for this, by the way? Like, so yeah. is this the twenties now? So that the girl disappeared in nineteen twenty-eight. So it's nineteen thirty. Um, because uh, he no, does nineteen thirty-four at this point. By the time the letter shows up, yeah, the letter shows up. So because he gets out of Bellevue and he goes, "Oh, I'm better. I'm cured." Will King, the the investigator, has been tracking down all kinds of leads, and everything is going everything is going south, is or dead ends, and then finally. Out of the blue, this letter shows up that describes in great detail about uh, how he came um, 
to abscond with grace and how he devoured her and, and everything else. And the letter, again, very obscurely had a, a watermark or some kind of return uh, imprint, return address imprint on there that they, from that envelope, they were able to track down um, where the stationery at least came from that uh, there was a small emblem in the corner of the envelope that had N-Y-P-C-B-A. And as it turns out, that was the New York Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association. So that was the, that was the big lead from what was on this envelope. So um, Will King starts doing all kinds of investigation with the uh, Private Chauffeurs Benevolent Association and the who would have access to the stationery and everything else. And it was just by coinky think that this one guy comes in and he said, uh, well, yeah, I, I got to admit, I stole stationery uh, to use at home. Um, but he wasn't certainly the, the one that abducted the, the child. Uh, but he stayed in a boarding house um, briefly for a couple of months, uh, really a flop house. And he had some of the, I guess he left some of those envelopes uh, behind in this flop house, in this boarding house. And the next tenant in this boarding house was our man, Albert Fish. So he found, Fish found some old envelopes laying around in this flop house. And that's what he sent the letter to, uh, to Mrs. Grace uh, with. And um, so Will, his own ego is his downfall, basically. Yeah, well, Will King, yeah. And then again, though, th this whole thing has been bubbling up. That It was six years from the time that the girl went missing to the time that the letter arrived. So, uh, And actually, this Will King, this investigator, he even postponed his own retirement. You know, he, he didn't want to I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to <laughs> retire until, you know, this case was closed kind of a thing, that he wasn't going to let this happen. Um but uh, and he's he's then hanging out at the uh, at the boarding house waiting for uh, fish because the landlady of this boarding house said, well, yeah, this guy, this this you know, kind of a gray looking guy shows up every once in a while to pick up a check that one of fish's sons is sending checks to dear old dad, uh, I guess support money. So I'm, I hope you're paying attention here, Captain. You're going to be sending me checks here in my, in my golden years. But anyhow. I'll take care if I can. Uh, just just don't light any wool in your ass. Right? <laughs> right. Agreed. That's a, that's a done deal. That's a done deal. Keep hiding the lighter fluid on me anyhow. <laughs> oh my God. But uh, anyhow, Will King, the investigator, is truly the one of the few heroes of this whole thing that uh, he, he is, uh, you know, waiting for fish to show up and finally the landlady gives him the single yeah this is the guy and then uh, he arrests him and fish was very cooperative and well first he pulls a knife on him oh first yeah first he did he, he, you're right i'll he go did. down i'll go downtown and do some answer some questions for you and then he pulls a razor knife on him right then uh king disarms fish right and then uh brings him you know down to the station and that's when all of a sudden you start seeing i mean it, it is full-on psychosis here yeah it's crying and admitting to crimes that, uh, you know, in between tears, then he's laughing sometimes while he talks about it, and he describes that he he claimed to have had a child in every state. So 
Then he started admitting to murders that maybe it was not possible for him to commit to, which is it's kind of common in the uh, the psychopath community. Right. But the psychopath, the psychopath community. community. Yeah, you know there. You uh, said that so casually, yeah. like it was a Tumblr community. I was. Kev's been to all the meetings. So. It's a subreddit. Um, <laughs> oh no. Well, Fish admits in full to the murder of Grace Bud, and stated he actually had plans to go back there and kill her brother, the one who wound up reading the letter to the mother. And he goes, "Oh yeah, of course I killed Grace Bud. Actually, I'll tell you what. If you guys, if I can just step out for a minute, I just got something I got to do real quick. <laughs> um, but." Uh, Upon his arrest, it becomes obvious that Fish was the culprit to several other murders in the area. A young boy named Francis McDonald had been hung to death and mutilated after disappearing with a stranger described as gray. The disappearance of a boy named Billy Gaffney in Brooklyn was now something that Fish was admitting to. He once again, as in his letter to Grace Bud's mother, described the horrific acts he committed and then gave great detail into how he prepared the body parts for consumption. Worst episode of Iron Chef ever. Uh, KP. <laughs> the secret ingredient. That's right. <laughs> what ingredients are in the basket this week? That's right. Welcome to Albert Fish's, uh, you know, the pampered chef. So Fish, like many other psychopaths, like we said, admits and proclaims to have had over 100 different victims. His evident psychosis and penchant for violence and self-harm were well on display during his trial. So kind of important here to know. You and I talked about this, Dad, on the way that – Yeah. All right. So there's such a thing and you're, we're talking about a time right now that's very sensitive to this and attempting to find what's the right end rows to go through in order to, to get a revamped but still effective justice system. OK. Um, the jury gets together and says, hey, we're going to have to for, – for the best thing possible here – is for us to have a miscarriage of justice to a degree. So hear me out on this yeah, one. Yeah, this was this is this was a tough. You had to make a make a decision here. Kahuna, this guy's sitting there in a the courtroom talking, admitting all this shit out loud to you. You're finding out that he likes to shove needles into his own body. His kids are saying, like, oh, he definitely did these sadomasochistic games with us growing up as kids. Um, he's admitting to other murders. Yeah, they got x-rays of all the pins and needles that he shoved into his own uh, Can you imagine being the pelvic region, we'll call it? <laughs> the stenographer? Yeah. yeah. Fucking having to type all this out and just like making glances like- <laughs> What the like, fuck? Like, like, really? He's not getting any closer to me, is he? Uh, uh, yeah, uh, with all the pins and needles that he stuck into his own body, uh, old Albie Fish would have a hard time getting through TSA uh, <laughs> nowadays. The metal detector would certainly go off, but- you know, he lived for pain. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Just he keeps going through the metal detector. Yeah. And no one can figure out why. Oh, could be anything. <laughs> so oh my God. he uh the the jury winds up getting together and saying, Listen, this guy's clearly insane, but here's the problem. So Kahuna, what happens if they find him insane? Uh he could technically walk away. In a way, walk away, but well, the death penalty would come off the table. Yeah. So instead, this jury sits there and they go, listen, this guy's clearly fucking nuts. But if we declare him insane, we can't get rid of him. And this guy has absolutely no redeeming qualities. So let's go ahead and get this child murderer and rapist uh, off of this planet as quickly as possible. They declared him sane, found him guilty, and sentenced him to death in the electric chair. All right. 
I would loser, love to. lose reception. I was just There's about to ask it because I was like, "Wait, is it the is it the state elect the, the state electrician?" Yes, it is because it was uh, he was electrocuted in Sing Sing prison, and there was a number of different uh, number well, of different. I forget, was it old Smokey or old Sparky? That old, was up. It was old Sparky. Old Sing Sparky. Sing. Throwback and, to that episode, one of my favorites we ever covered. And it was also the uh, the, uh, the the war of the currents there with. Uh, with the original Tesla electric and chair, yep. and then uh, we also had the Rosenbergs uh, were also electrocuted at Sing Sing Prison. Our we're first ever Patreon for just three dollars a month, as low as three dollars a month. You can get <laughs> yeah, to yeah. listen to that bad boy. I think they're on. Um, I think we put that one up on YouTube as well. But yeah, so I mean, it, this was uh, this was a tough one because for the jury, well, yeah, there is this whole psychiatry thing, and uh, he might be insane and. Uh, you know, like another another lose reception is we had uh, old Dan Sickles get off uh, his murder rap because of temporary insanity. So we don't, <laughs> we certainly don't want that to happen again with this guy. So uh, yeah, you can write some New York uh, Post headlines that I wrote for this. If I was uh, an editor for the Post back when this happened, uh, so Fish, uh, uh, upon finding out that he's guilty, uh, Fish gets raw deal. Okay. You got to be kidding me, KP. Sushi. All right. Uh, here we go. Then uh, the day after he gets the electric chair, fish fries. <laughs> you know, like a little tartar sauce on that one. Oh, God. This is also the shortest span of like being sentenced to death and then actually doing it that I think I've ever seen. They were like, we're getting rid of this dude quick. Yeah, uh, the express yeah, yeah. lane is in full effect here. Yeah, no, I'd like to be current and, and, and progressive thinker and everything else that maybe the guy is a little, you know, a little nuts. Uh, psychologically, he's not quite stable, but at the same time, he's got to go. He's got to go. There's yeah. no way that this guy You can't is. pull those things off and then get right. – because uh, there is a thing too because, again, with Carl Pansram, who we covered uh, on another episode uh, almost years ago at this point with uh, the great Andy Highroller, we uh, kind of remember that Pansram almost has this renaissance later on in his life because he finds one prison guard that he doesn't hate <laughs> and the prison guard is like – he was giving him cigarettes and stuff like that. So Pansram actually makes these full-on confessions and – Winds up showing that he's a relatively intelligent guy and he's a pretty good conversation. I mean, don't stay you know, stay out of strangling distance of him at all times. But, yeah. Um, you don't want to give an opportunity like that to this guy Fish for him to have any sort of a, a renaissance or a second act or anything like that. Already creepy enough that the shit we know about him, some asshole got a tattoo of him. I mean, that's just fucking horrible. Um, shame on you, Ken Krantz. But uh, again- yeah, and, and, and for the jury too, I mean, he- um, Fish was quoted, uh, what a thrill that will be if I have to die in the electric chair. It'll be the supreme thrill, the only one I haven't tried. Uh, well, let's give that boy what he's asking for. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, well, Show Kahuna. me old Sparky. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kahuna, remember we were talking about him liking to shove needles into his uh, pelvis? I I wish I didn't. But, yeah. You know, I, uh, I don't want to know it either, but I did think this was funny that people were trying to say, um, well, hey, when he gets electrocuted, um, are those needles going to – so the idea is there that this guy does you the ultimate thrill. He is going to die in the electric chair. Are we going to burn his dick off in the process? <laughs> Because all the, the stuff that he shoved in himself sure, over the It'd be years. appropriate. Sure. It would be. It. This guy mm -hmm. deserves absolutely all the, the most heinous shit we can throw at him. 
I wish that we actually, that's the problem. He probably would have enjoyed some of it. If we had like an old school, like torturer, like back in uh, the medieval times thing. Yeah. He'd be like, oh, what did I do right? Thank you. I would have done this years ago if I'd known. <laughs> but um, he does wind up uh, getting the chair. So our, our uh, good old Albert Fish is no longer with us. Fish's final statement, a handwritten few pages that he had penned the night before his death, was given to his lawyer. The public wanted to know more about it. What are the contents of this mass murderer's final prose, you know? And uh, the lawyer goes, no, 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 no. I'm never releasing this. Get off of it. It's not happening. I'm not letting the media get their hands on this. I will refuse to – I will never show it to anyone. Exact quote. It is the most filthy string of obscenities I have ever read and I will never show it to anyone. So you want to know how to do – it's terrible and it's horrifying when a mass shooter incident goes on in the United States. It's horrible when a sociopath goes on a homicidal spree. It's horrifying when these sort of acts of true evil happen in this world. Yeah. The best way to nip that in the butt is to never give these people any sort of a weird glory that they're seeking. Because again, if this guy's going to write a letter to the mother of a child he murdered and describe in great detail what he did, it's because there's a part of him that feels slighted because oh, I'm not getting any credit for this. You know? Right. That's the thing. They always want to get caught. They return to the scene of the crime, stuff like that. So kudos to this lawyer. Dude, someone leaked the letter in 2011. Oh, good God. I didn't. Do you want to read it? I'm not reading this. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. No, I'm really not reading. This is. Yeah, that's. Oh, uh, my God. It would feel. I have to delete my search history. (laughs) (laughs) It would feel incomplete. All right, I'll ask you this. We'll take a vote on it right now. Do I read it? No. No. You don't want to do that to yourself. Let's stick to the lawyer's choice of that not getting put out there. And also, we can't judge if that thing's actually accurate either, if that's really what the letter said. That's that's very true. Hang on. I'm just going to read the the first line of the letter. Just let me do the first line, right? Um. Hi, this is Ken Krantz. Welcome to I Love Rock and Roll Podcast. <laughs> I thought it was going to be Mark Rigadonna drinks jokes and stories. A- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but oh, we love roasting our friends. Ken is uh, uh, Ken had a, a show last night, actually, because of that. I was um, called in to feature for uh, Rich Voss over at the Stress Factory last night. So I love Ken. I'm a big fan of his. And um, he's going to be back on the show soon, too. Absolutely. Um, Did he tell great. you his idea for for the crossover? Was it uh, Mackenzie Phillips' father? Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> uh, uh, anyway. Almost as dark as this story. But uh, that pretty much is all I have on uh, the old gray man here, LP. Do you have anything else you usually do? No, I think that's uh, that's more than enough. So we're going to go ahead and delete our notes on this immediately. Uh, Dad, you're going to burn your stacks and stacks of paper. Shredded, shredded, shredded and then burned. Yes, and Kahuna's going to be watching Muppet Treasure Island immediately after this. Oh, 100%. I already got Disney uh, Plus queued up. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the right move. Happy Halloween, everybody, and uh, sleep tight and... I think the scariest thing of this whole story is that they walk and live among us. Indeed. I would like to, I would like to think that upon his arrival in whatever hell there is, the devil was torturing him, and the dude was just more, and the devil was creeped out. He was like, "Absolutely, <laughs> this dude is fucking weird." <laughs> oh, oh. Man. 
It's a dark one. We'll have a little bit more. Uh, we'll go more on the spooky side, less on the the horrifying side uh, for next week's episode. I haven't figured out what we're going to do just yet. If you have any cool suggestions you want to send my way, please do. And if you're a fan of Albert Fish, get help <laughs> immediately, as How soon as possible. How did you find this guy? Actually, I'm curious. Norm. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> the and there was a comedian I knew. I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants people to know this because he, he realized there was no succeeding in it. But uh, he used to try to do a bit where he would read Fish's letter to Grace Bud's mother on stage and try to make it funny. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. That's 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 that. No. That's wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little dark there. Straight up wrong. But that being said. That was the werewolf of Brooklyn, the boogeyman, the gray man, Albert Fish, American Loser. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. <laughs>